This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. So first up this hour, Prime Minister Dato Sri Anwar Ibrahim announced a cabinet reshuffle earlier today. We're getting into it now, of course, rife with rumours yesterday. Everyone was on their toes. And then finally today at just about 11 o'clock, um, the PM announced this reshuffle. We saw some people returning, uh, former cabinet members returning. We also saw uh, two ministries being split, um, as well as a few new faces. Yeah, so a lot of excitement, partly because the rumours of a reshuffle have been going on for many, many months now. Uh, there was rumours that uh, Saifuddin Asutia would be removed from Home Ministry, it would be given to Amno. there would be rumours. Uh, and I think even going back to when uh, there was that scandal with the one minister who was in fact dropped uh, from the Human Resources Ministry, and uh, there was talk that then of a reshuffle, at least of his removal. That didn't happen then. Yep. It's happened now. So a few um, notable new or, or returning uh, faces, which I think people would be quite excited. So uh, Dato Sri Dr. Zulkifli Ahmad is now health minister. I was personally quite happy to see him return to the cabinet. Um, we also saw actually the uh, swearing in as senator of Dato Sri Amir Hamza Azizan, who was of course, who is of course the former chief executive of the EPF, now appointed second finance minister. Um, what else stood out to you, Sharad? Yeah, so the, on that appointment, I think... I think it's kind of interesting because of the rumours uh, in the lead up to this particular moment was that there were going to be some technocratic elements in the mix. The idea that, remember even Muidin's um, yes. uh, cabinet lineup, he talked about technocrats. He didn't have that many, but he talked about technocrats. Uh, this time also not that many, uh, but uh, in Ami Hamza, you have somebody who's said to be a technocrat, somebody who doesn't have a political route into the system. So the issue is, um, is Anwar trying to strengthen his economic team? Mm. And then Datuk Sri Mohammad Hassan, who was previously Defence Minister, has been moved to the Foreign Ministry, Foreign Affairs Ministry. And uh, the role will now be held by Khalid Nordin, um, who, um, Khalid Nordin. And um, we also have, as I mentioned, two ministries that have been split. Uh, the current Communications and Digital Ministry has been split, and Gobind Singh Dio will be helming what's now going to be the Digital Ministry. Meanwhile, Fami Fadil will stay on under the Communications portfolio. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting because there was a question, in fact, at the presser this morning after the announcement, asking him why there was why the necessity of a digital specific ministry. And, mm. and Anwar tried to, you know, explain uh, his point of view, what, his rationale uh, behind the split and giving digital its specific ministry. Mm. And then, of course, um, another portfolio that I think uh, actually uh, the the similarity between the two, which is that these are issues and and I suppose portfolios that have a a lot of relevance in terms of concerns that people deal with on a daily basis because the other ministry that we saw restructuring of was the Natural Resources Environment and Climate Change Ministry and that's been split into the Energy Transition and Public Utilities Ministry which will be helmed by uh, Fadila Yusuf um, as well as the Natural Resources and Sustainability Ministry which will be held by Nick Nazminik Ahmad. Right, so he retains that position. Just a quick look in terms of numbers, Shamila. In terms of ministers, we've got 
gone up from 28 to 31. In terms of deputy ministers, we've gone up from 27 to 29. A total now of 60 deputies and full ministers, but still 10 less than the last administration. So we have a lot to discuss about the new cabinet lineup. Uh, we will be joined after this by Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, Associate Director at Vriance and Partners. Uh, but we want to hear from you. What do you think of the new cabinet? What would you like to see them achieve? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Be free minded. BFM eighty nine point nine. The Business Station. It's 5.13. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We're talking about the Cabinet reshuffle, which was announced this morning. Do send your thoughts through. What do you think of the new lineup and what would you like to see them achieve? You can call 777 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, joining us now on the line is Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, Associate Director at Vriens and Partners. Uh, Shazwan, uh, good to have you with us. Hello, good evening. Happy to be here. So this talk of a reshuffle had been going on for months. It's finally here. What were your first impressions? Um, did anything surprise you? I think I was very relieved that it finally happened. <laughs> Just because I think at some point um, there were uh, rumours of a reshuffle every other week. Um, I think um, uh, there were probably some surprises in the sense that there was actually a return of some familiar faces to the cabinet, not to be Dr. Zoll, um, or, uh, Gobin, as well as um, some old faces from the previous administrations like uh, Johari Ghani. Um, I think it's part and parcel of a calculated move by the Prime Minister uh, in sort of um, addressing some criticisms, but at the same time making sure that the cabinet still reflects the current composition of allies that is in his um, coterie of um, uh, alliances within the Madani government. Now, you know, Shazwan, if you were to describe the overall impact of the reshuffle, you know, some analysts are saying it's strengthening of the Prime Minister's economic team. How would you characterize this reshuffle? I wouldn't call it... Um, I mean, uh, it, it is... I mean... It is, I think, at some in some aspects, a strengthening of uh, the prime minister's ability to govern. I would say simply because I think one of the one of the key considerations is him uh, actually, um, uh, you know, appointing a second finance minister portfolio. That's been actually cognizant of, I think, addressing one of the major concerns that has been plaguing, I think, his administration. The argument is that you know, power on his end has been too centralized and impacts the ability for Anwar to carry out multiple roles at once. Um, that appointment is, I think, very timely because there are a lot of decision-making factors that require someone to be hands-on full-time. Um, I don't know about the, uh, the, I mean, the, the idea of bringing a technocrat to, um, to occupy that position still has to be, I think, seen whether it will um, uh, bring about the desired outcomes. I think that's also calculated because um, it's a power play as well. Anwar has to... Bear in mind that you know if he, he he's in a position where he can't be seen to be giving that, that position to anyone else, right? I think one of the major lobbyists for that position was Amno, and that uh, I think cannot happen. So this is a compromise, um, but it's a step in the right direction. I wouldn't call it rocket science. I think the reshuffle needs to happen, and I think those that I think I think a lot of those the names that need to be I think um, um, I think reshuffled or removed have been addressed already. 
So speaking of the finance portfolio, Anwar hasn't divested himself from the role of finance minister. What's the real politic behind him continuing to hold this portfolio? Um, to control the money bags. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's crucial um, for the prime minister, especially if, um, in having such a diverse coalition of different actors with different interests um, to ensure that I think he has line of sight and ultimate control over a very important portfolio. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the conversations about um, who should helm that ministry has been, uh, I think, um, uh, back and forth discussions within the within his administration for the past year, right? So, um, and then, but at the same time, the, the uh, he is, I think, cognizant of, I think there have been several concerns with his ability to be able to carry out his, his role as prime minister. So this is a compromise of sorts. Um, uh, I, I, but ultimately... I, I don't. I, I. I did not envision Anwar giving up uh, or even appointing a politician to the uh, portfolio of second finance minister uh, at any point of time. So this doesn't come as much of a surprise. Now, do you see any significant changes in inter-coalition dynamics in this reshuffle? Uh, could you clarify a bit more what you mean so by that? So let's just take, for example, uh, you know, the changes of portfolios uh, with uh, senior UMNO members in cabinet, right? So Matt Hassan mm-hmm. moving from defence to foreign affairs, is that significant? And, and, and is that about Anwar trying to recalibrate his relationship to Barisan National, in particular with UMNO? I read it as, yes, I think there is some truth to that. It could also be Anwar placating the AMNO leadership, the dynamics, the, in, the inter-party dynamics within AMNO itself, right? So, for instance, um, beyond the reshuffle of, I think, uh, the, the three AMNO ministers, you have the addition of Johari Ghani, right? So, the, the argument within AMNO has always been to include Johari, someone of Johari's seniority within the cabinet. But obviously, the inclusion of, the cab- of him into the cabinet comes at a price, right? It's not the position he necessarily lobbied for, asked for, but nonetheless, it is a position, right? So I think it's a balancing act. I think Anwar has the appointments are the appointments and way and ways in which the people have been appointed are indicative of, uh, I think, um, the line of leadership within Amno. Um, An- Anwar is carefully placing these leaders so that none of them, I think, will have the ability to outshine Zahid at the top, and it's a means to keep them in check. Um, there are probably more internal dynamics impacting the reconfiguration of the 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 the, the, the AMNO leaders that were already in cabinet before this. But ostensibly, I think it's designed to appease the AMNO the current AMNO leadership. So speaking of relationships, um, or rather inter-party relationships, we also saw the increasing of portfolios for Deputy Prime Minister Datu Sri Fadila Yusuf right, from, from GPS. So he was initially Plantation and Commodities Minister. He now holds the Energy Transition and Public Utilities portfolio. He also is in charge of Sabah and Sarawak affairs. Is Sarawak's hand being strengthened in this reshuffle? Oh, I think definitely. I think uh, it's, it's more than a hand right now. Sarawak has... Sarawak is on steroids at the moment. I think. <laughs> um, I, I think. I think it's definitely an indication of. I think the approach adopted by the prime minister in according due def- not just due deference to the Borneo states and Sarawak in, in particular, but in I think uh, positioning them as key allies for this administration. I think he's gone above and beyond any other prime ministers. The fact that y- you're parking the, the 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 affairs of Sabah and Sarawak under Fadila and also creating the RE. Uh, uh, renewable energy portfolio and parking under Sarawak is also telling because Sarawak has been in discussions and been very active in the RE policy landscape 
Um, they've been, um, I think, uh, as a state, they've, uh, you know, they've, they've had, I think, um, a lot of policy developments regarding the space. And by uh, by parking the remit of this ministry under that particular minister, it sends a signal that um, there is implicit agreement for them to spearhead the policy developments and to sort of co-develop that space, right? Um, it's definitely um, uh, an indication of just how much, um, I think, trust and um, due deference Rawat has given as a coalition partner. And I think at the same time, there have been internal arguments to decouple NREC to allow, I think, the, the incumbent minister, Nick Nazmi, to sort of focus on sustainability efforts just because he is seen as one of the more performing ministers and having, I think, a focus by decoupling those ministries accords him the ability to do so. But at the same time, you give uh, Fadila more power. Yeah. So the interesting you mentioned performance because I think a lot of people when they hear the names right Gobind Singh Dio or Dr Zul or uh, Johari Ghani they're thinking about these uh, individuals as competent individuals competent mm-hmm. to run these ministries and also people with experience. So in in overall, do you think uh, you know that this is about performance or is it about uh, keeping all the coalition partners happy? Um, as I said before, I think it's very calculated in the sense that, yes, the ministers that have returned to the fold are ministers who have, quote-unquote, performed in the past, right? And who are viewed as competent ministers. I think the challenge is that, um, you know, the landscape that they find themselves in, right? You're not at the start of a government. You're coming in You're coming in a year after the government's form. There are underlying dynamics that you need to take to take um, heat off, right? And the landscape has changed, even within the realm of, let's say, healthcare, right? There are so many other dynamics that um, I think Dr. Zoll would find himself having to adjust to, right? Um, um, uh, uh, the healthcare industry in uh, or the sector in 2018 is very much different from 2023. So, I mean, just because they're competent ministers, it does not mean that they will succeed this time around. But I think there is a bit of a need to appease the public. And I think this is a bit of a populist move. Um, I I don't disagree with the move. I just think that probably you need this in order to gain, I think, some some goodwill points. And at the same time, by having that goodwill points in place, you kind of allow this incoming minister to sort of uh, carve out uh, what their vision of the ministries is going to look like for the next four years. Because you you have a very short runway to get things done. Only one minister was dropped, V. Sivakumar from Human Resources. And of course, this maybe isn't surprising given the personal scandal that he has faced. Uh, He was replaced by Stephen Sim, which is a notable promotion. And the former deputy minister too, um, who was now made a full minister as the new Human Resource Minister. What does this sort of very slow musical chess process tell you about Anwar's management of his cabinet? I think to Anwar's credit, he probably needed that here to sort of sense check um, the performance of not just his ministers, but deputy ministers. And I suspect um, that throughout the course of the year, um, he has had a chance to evaluate, um, um, you know, the wheat from the chaff. And I think some of these appointments are indicative or reflective of that, right? Um, Obviously, I think, you know, I think the initial appointments back uh, a year ago was done basically like a game of musical chairs, right? You needed to appoint, you needed to balance between appointing senior official, senior political appointments and also those who were competent. And I think the challenge with a lot of the political parties is that <laughs> the competent ones are usually 
the not so senior people, right? So um, that 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 one year was a I think uh, was a trial trial by error, and I think right now you have a recalibrated version of that. Anwar has indicated that he does not intend to you know review or sort of rejig his cabinet further, but we'll see. Um, so far, this is I mean the the bid he's made that um, we will all have to lie in right for the next four years. So. Um, but yeah, but ultimately, I think it's a it's a welcome move. Um, some some welcoming. Fa- I mean, some positive changes. I think some people generally the mood is slightly hopeful, right? Um, but then again, you have a very short window of opportunity to to carve out whatever um, you know your desired reforms or policies. Now, the communications ministry was split. It now, we now have a new ministry, the digital ministry. And the press conference this morning, he was asked why digital needed a specific ministry of its own. Do you agree with his rationale for uh, having a digital ministry? So I think, um, I mean, I think it's interesting how, you know, the, the, the ministry was decoupled um, and and how it was originally how it was originally structured when Anwar first came in, right? So I think I think there is credence to his argument about the need um, to address comms, right? Um, to in in a more effective and targeted manner, but at the same time, according, I guess uh, another ministry to specifically focus on digital efforts. And I'm get, so I think the challenge here is how do you decouple the two, right? How do you define what is comms and what is digital, right? What are the purviews of policies that are under um, Fahmi's remit and, and what are those under Gobin's remit? I mean, we kind of know a little bit based on how the ministry is named, right? But I think um, internally, I believe, I think even officials and the civil service are still waiting for official instructions as to how this will be carved out. Um, and, and, but at the same time, it's hard to make that sort of announcement and for it to not have an effect on perhaps... Um, uh, perceptions of how Fami has performed over the years, or over the past year, right? Because ultimately, I think if you look at uh, comments online, it's uh, almost like an indictment, right? Everyone's saying that, oh, this is because um, he's not per- perhaps performed as best as he could have, right? Or and, and I think that's something that Anwar has pointed out, the comms has been less than effective. But then ultimately, then, are you actually looking for information? Are you actually looking for a... <laughs> an information ministry versus a comms ministry? If so, I think you should be more explicit, right? Uh, uh, I mean, um, the, 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 uh, I think the, the late Muhammad Rahmat had an had a inform, information slash propaganda ministry that was explicitly named so, right? If that's something that the Anwar administration wants, they should make that explicit. Right now, it seems unclear, right? You, you kind of want to make the decoupling make sense, but I think they'll need to go a step further in order for it to make sense. And I think... I think this requires more attention because I think it's probably caused some shockwaves amongst, I think, stakeholders within the tech and digital landscape. Just because there are so many things happening in terms of the policy front, um, with so many bills that are oncoming, I think there are, there is generally a concern as to like who will be the custodians of these bills um, in the next parliamentary session, right? Should they keep talking to Fahmi or should they talk to Gobin? How's it going to look like for the working level? There's a lot to unpack here. And I think that clarity is needed very, very soon. We have only about a minute and a half left, so I just wanted to ask about the restructuring of the uh, Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change Ministry. What do you make of this and the fact that now there's no specific ministry focusing on climate change? I, I think it's... Um, I mean, I, I, I think the devil is in the details and it will largely depend 
on again um, the separation of roles and how it's and and how it's spelled out in the coming weeks. I do think it's a shame that um, uh, climate change is not expressively sort of stated as a as a ministry goal or agenda, right? But um, but I think um, there is probably a reason as to why um, the prime minister carved out those dual the, the um, decoupled the ministries and I've outlined this earlier. Um, I think what will be interesting is probably uh, I, I'd be more interested to actually see how um, you know the the RE ministry would look like in terms of how it's going to align its goals with I think regional targets. Um, how it's going to what are the what are its focus areas, right? And the reason why I say this is because, again, Srawa is very much an invested partner in the RE landscape. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that conversation carries out. There have been complaints that I think in the past that I think much of the conversations has been very sort of federal based, i.e., peninsula con- peninsula level conversations, excluding Sarawak's sort of contribution to the conversation. So this is probably a welcome development. I mean, we'll have to see how it plays out in the next few weeks. Shazwan, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. That was Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, Associate Director at Vriens and Partners. Let us know what do you think of the new cabinet lineup? What would you like to see them achieve? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us and keep it here. BFM 89.9. Backing female ministers. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 5.37. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We've been talking about the cabinet reshuffle, which was announced earlier this morning by the Prime Minister. And we've been asking you, what do you think of the new cabinet lineup? What would you like to see them achieve? Keep sending your thoughts through. You can call 7733 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We have a number of thoughts coming in. Uh, let's see. Um, a lot of love coming through for Dr. Zul. So I think uh, let's let's look at some of those messages. So Jacob says, happy to see Dr. Zul returning and to see Sivakumar go, hoping for a more cohesive and efficient government. Finally, I hope. Uh, meanwhile, Putri says, I feel like it's a big win to have Dr. Zul as the new health minister, Stephen Sim as the HR minister and Gobin spearheading Ministry of Digital. Comms is a huge, huge portfolio. And hopefully with the portfolio being slimmed down, Fami can get the job done better. I have mixed feelings about the separation of energy transition from natural resources and environment. Not really sure if that's a good move, to be honest. Sad to see Ram Karpal go. And hopefully with the appointment of an academician as Deputy Minister of Religion, the portfolio will look into curbing extremism and being nurturing of the minds of Muslims towards being more progressive. Oh, and all this reshuffling and still no art-centric ministry. That's such a bummer for me. Yeah, Putri, uh, let's just begin with you because, you know, uh, there was love um, for Dr. Zul, as you said, no love for Sivakumar. But I just read, you know, in a news, a Malaysia King report that he apologised to the ministry for all shortcomings, but also talked about the achievements he's made. Um, I think these are very difficult jobs. I wouldn't wish it on anybody to become a minister <laughs> of anything. And I, but, uh, I'm particularly... I'm always waiting for that call, but you know, I'm sure I'm being blessed by not having that call. I come mean, in there are again. many shuffles ahead. I'm sure. <laughs> no, actually, Anwar said no. Not, not for not, this. Not for uh, this government uh, is what I meant. Yeah, not not until the next general election. But I, I do want to 
take up this the question of um, you know competence. I think how we see competence because there will be people who say don't like a minister or for a particular thing that they do or la- don't do, and I don't know if that's really a fair way of evaluating what sometimes are very difficult uh, positions to hold, especially when a ministry like the Ministry of Education has l- huge legacy issues. You know, Putri, I just wanted to say, and this is uh, something I've talked about before, I too was disappointed not to see an <laughs> arts ministry. But to be fair, I did not expect for there to be one. Um, it it doesn't feel like it's a priority. And I I sort of feel like maybe, especially if, if leanness and efficiency is what the, the, the goal of the day is, I'm not saying that the arts is not important. I personally think it's hugely important, but it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that would be prioritized under this approach. So, yeah. So the question is, where does where do all those agencies go? Right. I mean, there are, in fact, to do with the arts uh, that have to do with uh, the creative industries. And remember, there was, uh, you know, all this talk about the creative industries and especially the well, cases. The, in budget, the, tr- the budget did have allocations right. um, and they would go to, I think, my creative ventures for one. But how they operate and where they sit under is actually still unclear. Yeah, and so the question is, if we think of content creation, if we think of the creative industries actually crucial to the 21st century, how is that related to, say, something like digital, right, and this new digital ministry? And if you were looking at growth potential... It's the creative industries all over the world, especially during COVID, right? And so we, yes. we all learned how important the arts was. People say, oh, art is not so important. But then you're all sitting there watching your Netflix. Yes, but I, I'm not. So to be fair, though, Sharad, I'm not sure if I want to see it parked under digital primarily. But you're right that the notion of... Uh, so again, digital and comms now being separate, what falls under each? Um, what would the ambit of each minister be is something we've yet to really find, find out. And I'm quite keen to know. Speaking of... Uh, People getting love. Uh, One particular ministry not necessarily getting a lot of um, positivity. Let's see. Tani saying, I wonder why the Ministry of Education didn't see any changes. Meanwhile, Anderson says, it's a better better lineup of a cabinet list. Good to see Dr. Zul, Gobin and Johari making a return. I was hoping PMX would vacate the finance post and change the Minister of Education. She has failed miserably. Yeah, so Tani and Anderson, I know there are a lot of concerns about the Ministry of Education. I'm not sure what uh, the, the current minister in particular is responsible for. And I know people jump up like when we had when we had that discussion about the PISA scores, right? Uh, a lot of people, you know, were saying, oh, it's the minister's fault. And she just taken this portfolio uh, less than a year ago or about a year ago. And so the question is, again, some ministries come with huge legacy issues. Remember, the Ministry of Education has always been deeply politicized. It was always a stepping stone to power, to becoming the prime minister. And I think slowly but surely we're seeing a very different type of person take uh, leadership of that ministry, hopefully with Fadila Sidé, right? Uh, That she and, and others who come after her will also be able to shape it um, and his agenda to be less politicized and much more about the kind of educational outcomes we want. I think education in particular is a portfolio that we cannot measure in short term. Um, It's barely been a year, right? How much change can an education minister affect? Um, How much can you change a system that's been in place for decades? Um, I'm not saying we should let anyone off the hook, but I am saying that with, with education, it's 
tough to decide. It's tough to look at the outcomes now and decide that it's this current minister's fault because often it's a legacy system that's very difficult to shift. Yeah, and so, I mean, Tani and Anderson, I would like to know specifically what you think uh, was has gone wrong with the Ministry of Education uh, and why you think a change of leadership is the answer because that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about leadership. Uh, the minister, of course, you know, uh, runs, as it were, the, runs the ministry along with um, uh, civil servants and all the other stakeholders that are involved in that particular ecosystem. So, yeah. Sharad, I wanted to also pick up on one point that Anderson brought up. Uh, we did ask uh, Shazwan earlier as well um, about PMX holding, continuing to hold the finance post. And I wondered what you made of that. Yeah, so I think theory, in theory, it's not a good idea for the prime minister and finance minister to be one and the same person. You want that kind of internal check and balance uh, in minister. And I think that's generally the you know convention. Uh, but there are extenuating uh, circumstances. I mean, Shamal, you talk about real politics <laughs> earlier. And so, you know, this is it, right? It, sometimes uh, the political situation, especially with such a fragmented uh, outcome in terms of our general elections, how do you kind of um, negotiate that reality? So apart from the theory of governance and good governance, how in reality does Anwar manage all the different demands uh, and, and also, you know, the Ministry of Finance is a plumb position. And so there might have been more than one person putting their hand up. Yes. So who do, you, who do you pick for it? Is it easier to just not pick anyone? Yeah. And as, yeah. as Shazwan, you know, our guest earlier would mention that, in fact, in Picking a technocrat to help him, mm. he's also sort of neutralised the tensions around this uh, jostling for uh, the plum ministry. Keep your thoughts coming. What do you think of the new cabinet lineup? What would you like to see them achieve? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note, or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Banish feudal mentality, BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9. It is 5.49, well, 5.50, actually. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We're talking about the reshuffled cabinet that was unveiled earlier today and asking you, what do you think of it? What would you like to see them achieve? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Rowe thinks, not a bad cabinet. Would have liked to see something with a less glossy walnut veneer. Uh-huh. Okay, another diet joke. But now look- that the cabinet jokes are out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. You know, actually, I love the lyrics in the, in the song we just played because it, it talks about people never being satisfied, you know. And I, <laughs> and I think it's very hard not to be, you know, dissatisfied. I, I think we all want the best for this country. We all have a, a, skin, in the, a skin in the game because the cabinet doesn't um, do well. Uh, then, of course, some problems can't be resolved because we have the market, the market economy and business, and, and they run... Uh, um, sometimes despite or in spite of the you know bad governance. So uh, I think Malaysians have two places to look for when it comes to looking for change and, and growth. Uh, and it's not just the government, it's also the private sector. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we do want to see change and we want it to go in the right direction. Well, SRA is um, handing out, I think, uh, some personal props saying, I hope YB Ayman Atira can continue the good works of YB Akmal Nasir in her new portfolio. Akmal has 
has worked so hard to resolve the issues of delayed housing projects such as Residency Hectare in Jalan Gomba. So just for context, Ayman took over the Deputy Local Government Development Minister post, um, uh, which was held previously by YB Akmal. And Akmal is now Deputy Energy Transition and Public Utility Minister. So I think that's actually a really nice example of um, we might think that ministers and deputy ministers operate on a on a plane that doesn't often come face to face with the average person. But this is a really good example of how they do make a difference. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, you know, I, I I was thinking very hard about, um, you know, ministers who have, I mean, personally impacted my life, uh, the way the place I live in, mm. you know, and done things to uh, change the course of, um, you know, my quality of life. And I can't think of any off the bat, you know, so, uh, but you're right. I mean, this idea that they they do exist on some other ethereal plane, you know, they don't come down to planet Earth as were, is not actually true necessarily. Yes, and that there are some people who actually would, would be able to name uh, ministers or deputy ministers for whom they actually think, um, who, who they think have actually made a direct difference to their their area or their, their lives, you know. Um, let's see, we have... Uh, an anonymous listener saying, new lineup, generally okay, but I wish the Home Minister who's in charge of immigration and the Minister of Education should have been changed. A lot of boo-boos by these two. Also rather slow when these two ministries need massive overhauling. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I think that these ministries have, and often are in the forefront. They get reported on mm. things that happen under their remit. Is, has a lot of visibility, and yes, I think, and and so there are some ministers who have portfolios where you never hear from them. People don't even know they exist. Um, they might be doing work. It's just that they don't get that kind of visibility. The media tends to pick up on hot button topics that the MOE and uh, you know Ministry of Home Affairs, uh, you know, is often involved in, and so maybe they're disproportionate. Definitely um, visible, and therefore we we are much more critical. The issues are also for some ministries. The issues are also a lot more um, not relatable, but on a human level, easier to pick up on and to form an opinion of, right? Um, immigration, for instance, whether you are for or against um, how refugees are treated. Uh, that's something that's very human and that you can actually have a response to. Education, um, the examples of, uh, say, someone was bringing up the uh, Palestinian week or uh, the peace course you were saying. These are all things that you have that have an immediacy that something like plantations perhaps doesn't necessarily hold. Except the plantations and the, the livelihoods around them. So, yeah, we all... I think I think what's interesting, though, is that our understanding that if you ha- if you are kind of involved in a boo-boo, therefore you should resign. I mean, I know there's this tendency among certain groups, stakeholders in civil society, co- immediately call for a resignation. And I'm not quite sure if that is really the resolution uh, to the problem, or that isn't, in fact, the best way of getting change in the ministry, uh, to constantly call for the resignation of X, Y, and Z, because they said something you don't agree with. Um, and, and so if you focus on change in the ministry, especially ministries as difficult to change as something like Home Affairs or, you know, Ministry of Education because of the legacy issues and just the culture. What is really the effective way to change those ministries? We have Anderson, who's back to say, um, for PMX, he should just concentrate on his day-to-day duties as PM and not forget the manifesto of Pakatan Harapan, which clearly states a sitting PM should not be finance minister. 
Yeah, so Anderson, I mean, there, there is no defense, I think, in, in terms of you know, when somebody's promised that they would not do something and then they go ahead and do it. The only thing they can come back and say, well, circumstances have shifted. If this was a purely Pakatan Harapan government, maybe Anwar Ibrahim uh, you know, could deliver on that promise. But it isn't, right? So then the question is, what is the best way forward? Do we, do we just hold them to their promise uh, without recognizing a change of circumstance, which maybe requires some recalibration of, um, you know, um, not, just a, not so much values, but recalibration of strategy? Yeah, I, I'm torn on this one, to be honest, because uh, I do genuinely feel that a separation of duties uh, is important, especially given our recent history and problems we've had in the past with PMs <laughs> and finance ministers. But I also think that perhaps we could give some leeway or grace and, and see how it turns out. It is only a year in um, and maybe there is some value in this decision. Um, but yeah, I haven't landed on what I think is the correct uh, course of action is. We have Legion saying, where is the Ministry of Children Welfare? Um, and have the problematic problematic ministers been moved into the PM's office? Why? To keep an eye on them? To train them? Or to ensure that PKR still has some minister posts? So, Legion, I'm not quite sure uh, which uh, ministers you think are problematic. Uh, so maybe you could tell us who they are. And if it's not uh, libelous, we could actually read it on air. But, you know, the, <laughs> but the, uh, I mean, so this is it, right? I mean, what is what is um, Anwar Ibrahim's main um, job? It's to put together a team that he can work with in order to deliver what he thinks needs to be delivered uh, for the country, right? While also pleasing all the different players that form today's government. Yeah, in, indeed, right? So, um, and history will judge him based on the choices he's going to make. And if you've ever been, and any of us have been in a leadership position, you know that sometimes you have a team that has strong people, it also has weak people, but they bring something else to the table. And and often it's not just a team of perfect individuals. And so that is, I think, the reality of politics too. I do think, though, that the call for the Ministry of uh, Children Welfare is one that has been around for a while. And perhaps it is slightly disappointing that that wasn't prioritized this time around. But again, I think that if we go back to the, the, the decision to keep it lean... I didn't think it was going to happen this time around anyway. Yeah, and keeping it lean is very important, right? Again, we're talking about team and leadership, right? If you think of some um, massive countries with populations over a billion and how big their cabinets are, it's a word delegation, right? So if you have uh, a child uh, ombudsman or we have the development of policies around children's welfare under any other ministry, it doesn't have to be a children's ministry. If it's good, then we still get the outcomes we want. Mm. Just to close off, we have LJ saying, yesterday we were just talking about cybersecurity. So now, is cybersecurity parked under digital or communications? Or is it too hot to be handled? If it's a cross administration, will the investigations or cases being handled uh, be more complicated? Cybersecurity incidents is always about racing against time. You know, we should have Corbyn come on the show and tell us exactly what's going to perhaps, happen under his ministry. Perhaps that would be the first person who could answer these questions because I also have those questions. To be fair, they were just announced today. So we will probably hear more in the days to come. In the meantime, keep your thoughts coming. You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us and keep it here. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast 
from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.